Well, amen and amen and amen. Won't you take your Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And as you turn there, I'm going to ask you wherever you are, if you're able and willing, if you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Let's look at this passage together. The Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were who sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray you just speak in a mighty and powerful way to our hearts. For your glory alone, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can be seated. I want you to look today at this passage with me. Now, one of the things we need to understand, why in the world would Paul write this passage to this church of Ephesus? Well, remember, he's writing to them as saved. But yet as saved, they still have not come to understand or fully understand who they are in Christ. Matter of fact, I would say it this way. They also have not understood fully exactly what took place when God had saved them. And so Paul is writing first Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 to help him understand fully exactly what all took place. Now, the passage we have before us now speaks to really a division that was taking place among the churches of that day because there was still a lot of hostility between what was those that came out of Judaism and those that came out of what we would call Gentile nations. In other words, there was Jews that came to the saving knowledge. There were Gentiles that came to the saving knowledge. But yet some of the people of Israel still had this mindset that they were superior to the Gentiles even though they were both saved by the same being the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing this to help them to see exactly what they were before and exactly what they are now. In other words, before their salvation and after their salvation. And what he does is he draws from the Old Testament shadow and types of Israel and Gentiles in the Old Testament. Now you have to understand something. To understand that everything God did in the Old Testament was a shadow and type of what God was going to do in what we call the New Covenant. Or on this side of the cross or on this side of Pentecost when the Lord Jesus would save people and indwell him with his life. And so God would show us these shadows and types in the Old Testament. And what he did with Israel and also in respect to the Gentiles was just a glorious picture of what it was like when we would come to the saving knowledge of Christ in the New Testament. 
And so what he does is he draws from this analogy to help them to understand exactly how God saw them and exactly how God sees them now. And so this is the whole crux of the text. Now, I want you to listen. All that we would see ourselves the way God saw us. One of the reasons that why so many Christians are walking in defeat, and it's one of the reasons so many Christians are not walking up to the place of appropriating by faith who they are in Christ is because they don't understand and don't know who they are in Christ. And so what Paul is doing here is he said, hey, let me take you back. Let me show you in the Old Testament picture of who you were as Gentiles. And now let me show you on this side of your salvation who you are as Gentiles. And so what he's doing is he's taking them and he's saying, hey, let me give you the whole panoramic picture of how God saw you then and how God sees you now. Now listen, it's not good enough to be worried about how man sees you. I mean, we can look around and we can look in light of what we think Christianity is and we can look in light of how we think man sees us. Listen, I fall in this trap. We all fall in this trap. That we, those people we respect, we really want to know how they see us or how we have done or how we are doing or whatever it may be. But I got news for you that when you read this text, you'll understand fully that it really doesn't matter what man says about you. The only thing that matters is how God sees you and what God says about you. And God makes his statement to these Ephesian believers here in these verses, how God sees them. Now, with all that being said, let's look at this verse 11. I want to begin by looking at the remembrance of who they, who you were. The remembrance of who you were. Notice he starts here. Wherefore, remember. Now remember in verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has put for us that we should walk in and wherefore, remember. In other words, if you don't remember, if you don't understand who you were and now who you are, then guess what? You're never going to walk in the reality of what God has for you and what God's done in you. And so he says, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh. Look with me at these things. I'm going to go through verse 11 and 12 and show you these things that were true of the Gentiles in the Old Testament. But God's changed every one of them in their salvation. So look at the first one. They had no honor. They had no honor. Look what it says. In times past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Now here's the reality. Jews in the Old Testament, they saw themselves as the privileged of the privileged. And what they saw was this, that circumcision was the mark that separated them from every other nation. It separated them from the Gentiles. It separated them from every other nation that there was. And they viewed the circumcision as the covenant between them and God, whereby they entered into favor of God, and therefore, here's how they saw it. They were the only ones favored by God. They were the only ones honored by God. They were the only ones saw as being belonging to God. And so here's how these Jews saw it. And so here's what Paul says. He says, listen, you need to remember that in times past, in other words, before God saved you, he said you were Gentiles who were called uncircumcision by the flesh. In other words, 
You had no honor. You had no favor with God. You were aliens for God. You were separate from God. God, listen, he didn't have his covenant upon you. He didn't have his blessing upon you. He didn't have his life upon you. You were those that were under condemnation and you were separated from the favor and the presence of God. There was no honor. And I want to tell you something, folks. The only honor that really matters is when God puts his favor on you through the person of the Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you something. The only favor God has for us is a person, and his name is the Lord Jesus. And so here we start with this. They had no honor. I want you to see, secondly, they had no help. Notice what it says here. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, here's the reality. In the Old Testament, they were not indwelt by Christ. In the Old Testament, Gentiles were not walking with Christ. And Christ was not walking with them. They had no help because I want to tell you, the only help we have is again the person of the Lord Jesus. If you remember in the book of Joshua chapter 1, here's what the Lord told Joshua, as he was getting ready to take the people across the Jordan into the promised land, he says, I will go with you and I have went before you. In other words, Joshua, understand, you don't have to worry about going. You can trust me about going. Why? Because I've already went before you and I will go with you. In other words, I'm your help. I'm your victory. I'm your everything. But here's what he said about the Gentiles. He said, listen, in the Old Testament, you were aliens. You had no help. Why? Because you were without Christ. He that hath not the Son hath not life. And can I tell you, that life is your only help in this time. And so not only were they a people that had no honor, they were a people that had no help. But I want you to see thirdly, they had no home. You say, what do you mean they had no home? It says being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You say, preacher, what is that speaking of? In other words, Gentiles. Listen, they were deemed as a people that were separate from Israel. But being separate from Israel, they were kept separate from Israel. Now, let me prove it to you. In the Old Testament, God told Moses to build a tabernacle. But then after the tabernacle, there was built a temple. And if you remember, as Solomon built that temple, God really changed just a little bit about how that temple was designed from the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, there were three sections. There was the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. But in the temple of Solomon, there was really four to five courts. And one of those courts was called the court of the Gentiles. Now you say, what do you mean the court of the Gentiles? Well, there was a court that was outside the court of where the Jews would assemble to bring their sacrifices. There was a wall between it about three to four feet high. And between that wall, that Gentiles had to stay on the other side of the wall. They could not come in where the Jews were. And if they did, I want you to listen. Here was what was wrote on that wall. And I'm going to quote, No foreigner may enter in within this barricade, which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. And that was what was written on the wall of the court of the Gentiles. 
So when I say they had no home, I'm talking they had no spiritual home. They had no spiritual dwelling. In other words, the Jews had a dwelling with God. The Jews had a dwelling with the presence of God. The Gentiles were kept outside the presence of God. There was a wall put between them, and we'll deal with that tonight. But there was a wall put between them where they could not enter in to where the Jews entered in to worship. They were separated from the very presence of God and could not enjoy the presence of God. Why? Because they were aliens. They had no citizenship with the people of God. And can I tell you today, when you and I were lost, listen, when you and I were lost, we were aliens from citizenship with our Father. We were aliens from enjoying the presence of our Father. And I tell you, when we were lost, you and I were people that could not have any type of doing or any type of relationship with the things of God or with God. Why? Because we were aliens from the presence of His dwelling. And so you see, they had no honor. You see that they had no help. And you see, they had no home. But I want you to see nextly, they had no heritage. Now, what do you mean they had no heritage? Look what it says. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Now, what does this word covenant here mean? This word covenant comes and begins with Abraham when God made that cut covenant with Abraham. What we call the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the covenants God made with Israel were designed for a specific purpose. They were be to hand down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. So, in other words, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, so forth and so on. And so, as this covenant would flow, it would become a heritage to the people of Israel from one generation to the next, to the next. And this heritage contained within it the promises of God, God's favorable promises that he had towards Israel. Remember what God told Abraham. He said, I'll make you the, the uh, like the sand of the sea. I'll make you the blessed of all nations. I'll, I'll literally exalt you above all nations. I'll multiply you above all nations. And God said, hey, listen, I have a promise. I have a covenant with you, and it is to be handed down from one generation to another generation to another generation. In other words, these were the blessings or the privileges that Israel had, and the Gentiles, listen, were shut out from those privileges. Now, did God allow Gentiles to be grafted in in the Old Testament? Yes. Ask Rahab if that works. It was God allowing Gentiles to be grafted in yet. But here's the only way they could get in. They literally had to forsake themselves as Gentiles and they had to literally proselyte themselves to become Jews. And so the only way they could get in is to become a Jew. And so this is the promises in which you and I were separated from before God saved us. Let, let me give you some illustrations. The, these privileges that Israel had through this covenant promise. Uh, Romans 3 says they were entrusted with the oracles of God. Romans 9 says that, they, that to them belong sonship, glory, covenants, the law, worship, promises, and the patriarch. 
In other words, God said, listen, I'm giving you the kitchen sink. I'm giving you everything I have to give you. Everything that is mine is yours. You can enjoy it. Hey, you can enjoy my covenants. You can enjoy my promises. I see you as a son. You give, I give you my sonship. I entrust you with the truth of who I am, the oracles of God. In other words, what he says is you and Israel in the Old Testament, I have given you everything that is true of what I want to accomplish. And yet as Gentiles in the Old Testament, they were shut out from all these privileges. Why? Because they were aliens and strangers from the covenants of promise. Can you imagine? I want you to look next. They had no hope. They had no hope. Notice what it says. Strangers from the covenants of promising promises having no hope. What does it mean, no hope here? Well, here's the reality. God, in His sovereign plan, always knew that one day in the, what we call the new covenant, Gentiles would be brought in to His saving grace. But yet Gentiles didn't know that. And so they were living literally with no hope of what would happen tomorrow. Matter of fact, here's how they were saw. They were saw as the enemies against Israel. And being the enemies against Israel, they were saw as the enemies against God. And they heard of the testimonies of what God had done for Israel through the ages. You remember when the spies went to Rahab's house? You remember what Rahab the Gentile said? She said, where you been? Now, I'm going to paraphrase for time's sake because we don't have time to turn there. But here's what she said. Where you been? We've been waiting on you. He, she said, she, here's what she said. We heard what God did in parting the Red Sea. We heard what God did in destroying Pharaoh's army and his taskmasters. And he, they, here's what she said. She said, where you been? Why has it took you so long? We've been fearful every day. In other words, here's what she said. We have lived every day knowing that when you show up, the God who is over you will destroy us and we have no hope. And he says, remember who you were. You had no honor. You had no help. You had no spiritual home. You had no heritage. You had no hope. But lastly, they had no holiness. Notice what it says. And without God in the world. No holiness. You say, preacher, what do you mean? To be without God is to be totally depraved and absent of holiness. You see, you have to understand, God showed forth His mightiness over and over again. And yet, Gentile nation in the Old Testament, time and time again, reviled, rebelled against the God of Israel, and they searched for gods that they could worship. 
And every Gentile nation was known as an idolatrous nation. Let me ask you a question. Why did God tell Israel, do not in any way, shape, or form have anything to do with the Canaanites, do not marry the Canaanites, do not enter into covenant with the Canaanites, separate yourself from them? Why did he say that? Because he knew when they did, they would be pulled into the idolatry of the Canaanites. And then listen, if you don't believe that happened, read the end of the book of Joshua, the first part of the book of Judges. You find out that God gave all the land of Canaan to the Israelites. And as they traveled through that land, they got to where they got dis- dismantled in, in, in this. They got in despair and they quit trusting God. And when they tricked trusting God, they find out the battles for the land became harder and harder. And finally, they just threw up the white flag and say, we surrender. And they partnered with the Canaanites and they married in the Canaanites. And Judges says even they allowed the Canaanites to rule over them. And what happened? Idolatry began to set in. And God had to chase them and send them into captivity again. They had no holiness. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Before God saved you, you were just like the Gentiles in the Old Testament. You had no honor. You had no help. You had no home. You had no hope. You had no heritage. And you had no holiness. Now, if we stopped right there, would you not agree? Boy, that's a bad place to be. But aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? Because remember, he's writing to these believers and he said, yeah, but listen, you need to remember who you are. But you need to realize who you are. You need to realize who you are. In other words, this is who you were in relation to how Gentiles were seen in the Old Testament. He said, that's the way I saw you. He said, but I don't see you that way anymore. He said, something's changed. Something's took place. And I don't see you that way anymore. Notice what it says in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen. You remember You remember when we looked earlier uh, about a week or so ago? We saw in verse 1 through 3 who we were. In verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy. Hey, but can I tell you now? Hey, we had no hope. We had no home. We had no heritage. But God. And then again, what do we see? The intervening power of a holy and mighty God. Boy, how it parallels to verse 4. And all of a sudden, God intervened. Even though I had no hope, I had no home, I had no holiness, God says, but yet, yet, wait for me to intervene. Wait for me to step into this. So here's what he's telling these Gentiles and Ephesians. He said, listen, he said, you may look and you you know who you were. You knew how Israel saw you. You knew all this stuff. But I want you to know something's changed. And I want to tell you what's changed. But God intervened. Well, what did he do when he intervened? Notice a couple of things with me. The position of reconciliation. He says, but now in Christ, you who 
sometimes were. Notice the verb. Doesn't say who are. It says who were far off. Are. Notice the change. He said, This is who you were. This is who y'all. This is what you were. This is what you are. He said, Sometimes when you were afar off, are made not by the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's what it's saying it's saying that Jesus, God, intervened through Christ. And God, who took you that were far off, aliens, strangers, and He escorted you in. And when He escorted you in, He brought you in and admitted you into acceptance with God. What's the one thing that Israel hung their head on? We are the apple of God's eyes. We are accepted before God. No other nation is, but we are. But here's what God said. He said, I want to tell you what he done for you, Gentiles. He said he brought you in and he placed you on the same platform of acceptance as he did with Israel. And he brought you in and he took you from being strangers to being friends. He took you from being aliens to being those that are one with him. He took you from being those that were separated from him. Remember Israel thought they had Sonship with God. He said, listen, Romans chapter 8. You're now the sons of God. He made you join us. I mean, he reversed everything we looked at in verse 11 and 12. Everything we looked at, he gave you a spiritual home. Now listen, the heavenlies is not who you're a stranger with. The heavenlies is not who you're an alien with. Can I tell you now? You're a stranger in this world. He changed it all. He gave you hope in Christ. He, he gave you a new circumcision not made with hands. Colossians chapter 1. Listen, he didn't mark you from outward. He marked you inward. In other words, he gave you a new heart. He circumcised the old heart and gave you a new heart. See, even Israel, when they had that outward sign of circumcision, here was the problem. That didn't give them right with God. That was just a shadow of what God was going to do in the future. But here's the reality. Israel now has to come the same way you Gentiles come. And that outward circumcision does them no good. They have to have his circumcision not made with hands just like you. They've got to come the same way you came. And if they don't, then you are the favorite of God and not them. The realization of who you are, the position of reconciliation. We are admitted into acceptance with God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven. Notice your citizenship. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned unto like His glorious body, according to the work whereby He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. Look at verse 19 of Ephesians 2. We'll look at this tonight, but I want you to just glance at it real quick. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Notice the change that takes place. I went from having no citizenship, no home with the things of God, and now I've been made one. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Remember, no heritage. 
strangers from the covenant promise. All that's changed. All that's changed. Now all the promises of God to his children are yours to enjoy, to faith, to walk in. Why? Because now you're accepted in the beloved as his. You see, if you don't see who you were, first off, how are you going to ever know that you need him? Secondly, if you don't see who you were, then how do you know who you are after he saved you? See, we always focus in America that when God saves you, he just gets you out of hell and gets you into heaven. Oh, but we miss everything. Can I tell you? On a scale of 1 to 50, can I tell you where that one ranks as God sees it? 50. But can I tell you what we've done in America? We've made that number one. You see, all that has to do with after we breathe our last breath. But see, God's focused on why you're here. Oh, listen, your eternity's already settled. But why you're here, that's what God focuses on. Why you're here. We were not only admitted into acceptance with God, we were permitted to approach God. Now you say, what do you mean? Well, remember, go back with me. In the Old Testament, Gentiles were separated by a wall into a Gentile court. What was on the other side of the court? Well, the Jewish quarters, yes, but also the holy place, the holy of holies. What was in the holy of holies? The presence of God. So here's the reality. Could Gentiles worship? No. But here's what took place when God redeemed you, when God reconciled you to himself. God allowed you now to not only, you were afar off, and God has brought you what? Nigh. What does that mean? Brought you unto himself. For what purpose? Now you can worship. Now you can enjoy fellowship with a mighty and awesome God. Listen, this is even better than what Israel had in the Old Testament. You say, why? Because, oh, listen, Israel could come into the outer court, yes, but they couldn't go into the holy place but the priest. And they couldn't go into the holy holies but the one high priest. And therefore they had to base their fellowship and their worship upon one man, the high priest, the only one that could enter into the presence of God. Here's what Paul said. He said, I got news for you. When God reconciled you, when God redeemed you, he gave you something better than Israel. He said, I know Israel looks down on you. I know Israel looks down on you. But I got news for you. You have something they didn't have. You can enter into the presence of God at any time, at any moment. And you don't need a priest to do it. Now, do we have a high priest? Yes, his name's Jesus. But he's in heavenly place. Oh, the amazing wonder of being permitted to approach God. Lastly, and I'm done, the pathway to reconciliation. Made nigh by the blood of Christ. What made all this possible? Were it not for the blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, 
when that high priest entered into the presence of the Holy of Holies, that one time a year called the Day of Atonement, he could only enter in on the basis of one thing. He would go through that veil, that curtain, and the first thing that took place is he would take the blood of the atonement sacrifice and he would place it upon the mercy seat representing the presence of God. And it was only on the basis of that blood could he enter into the Holy of Holies. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, you've been admitted into his presence. You've been permitted into his presence. But listen, the only way that took place is because not a blood of a bull or a goat or a lamb or a turtle dove or a pigeon, but the blood of the Holy righteous Son of God satisfied the demands of God. And here's what God did. He went out into the Gentile court spiritually. He tore down the partition between the Gentile court and the Holy of Holies. He escorted you by the Holy Ghost into the holy place. He became your light, the the menorah, the candlestick. He became your bread of life, the table of showbread. He became your intercessory, the altar of incense. And here's what he did in his blood and in his grace. He didn't take you through the veil. He ripped the veil down. He tore the veil down. And he says, now, on the basis of my blood, enter into the presence of my Father. I want to read one Bible scholar. John Phillips. Listen to what he said, and I want to quote him. What grace. Men put him to death on a cross of shame. It was the crime of the ages. No greater crime could have been conceived. The crucifixion of Christ was the ultimate expression of man's hatred to God. An act of high-handed rebellion and outrage towards God. Yet God turned the crucifixion into the means of His grace. The ultimate expression of His love for us. No greater manifestation of kindness and grace can be imagined but by the blood of Christ on a cross. How could God take the most shameful, horrendous outpouring of hatred of man and turn it into a tool of grace? I won't tell you how, but God, but God, but God, but God. And so here's the reality of it all. As lost people, we were like the Gentiles in the Old Testament. We had no place. We had no hope. We had no honor. We had no fellowship. We had no heritage. We had no nothing that we could hang our hats on. We were aliens, but now God has changed it all. Now we're citizens in God's family. We're sons in God's family. We're joint heirs with His Son. Hey, we're as the firstborn of His family. And here's the reality of it all. The day God saved you, He changed Changed it all. But here's the problem. Do you see yourself the way God sees you?
And see, here's my burden in these days. My burden in these days is evangelism in today does not truly deal with the condition of man. It just deals with the outcome of salvation. But until you know your condition, why in the world would you want to know what but God could do? Now, you may be listening this morning, and you know in your heart of hearts, that this has never took place in your life. You know there's no peace resonating in you. You know that every time you hear news about this called the coronavirus, you wring your hands in fear. I want to tell you something. If you've been saved today, see yourself the way God sees you. Remember who you were, but realize who you are. And if that's never happened to you, I got some good news for you. God's ready to spiritually take you out of the court of the Gentiles and usher you into the Holy of Holies. But can I tell you, he went one better than that. He made you the Holy of Holies. See, it wasn't enough for God to just bring us into his presence. God took his presence and put it in us. Isn't God amazing? Father, I pray right now for every person that's listening, those that are saved, I pray that, Father, we'd have a deeper understanding, a deeper awareness of who we are in Christ. But, Father, for anybody that's listening, that whether through conscious understanding or whether through deception, they're lost. They know that this has never took place in their life. I pray right now that through the powerful, mighty conviction of your Holy Spirit, you would rescue them. You would reconcile them. You would redeem them. You would save them. And you would usher them into your mighty presence by placing your presence in them. Father, I want to thank you right now for who you're dealing with. Don't let them get away from it. Thank you that you're able to finish what you start in their hearts. But Father, let us as your children, let us walk in a deeper understanding and appreciation of what you've done for us that day you ushered us into your presence if we just walk in the realm of how you see us
Oh, how glorious it would be. Father, I love you. And I thank you for changing not just our destiny, but for changing our countenance, for changing our heart, for changing our desires, for changing our understanding, for changing our peace, for changing our joy from changing our defeat into victory. Thank you for changing us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.